Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everyone. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 92. Today is Thursday, March 23rd, and we are one week from opening day. That feels good to say. I'm Van Burnett, joined, as always, by Steve Giswelli. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. we got a great show ahead, Steve. It is an iconic one because this is year three for the chalkboard predictions, which will tell any of our listeners who are not familiar the background on that. It's all about accountability, putting our name next to two targets, two fades for the entire year, planting our flag. And we also got some flag plant bold predictions, Steve. Your article just dropped. It's great. You guys got to go check that out on Picture List. Steve Giswelli's bold predictions. You can Google it. It pops right up. Steve, it's a very fun show, man. We're one week out from opening day. We are getting the crystal ball out, making our our predictions, our calls. Some of these are more on the volatility side. The other ones are, you know, really trying to give sound advice to the listeners. So I'm pumped, man. It's been a fun show every time we've done this. And it's year three, man. We're starting to get some gray hairs on the on the podcast here. But how's it going, dude? Yeah, it's good. I could not believe that this is year three. I was like, wait, we did this two times already? It's the third time it's coming up? It's, uh-huh. it's crazy. Um, you know, I, I I know we did plenty of shows before that, but I, I feel like that was like right before our first regular season. It was our first little like theme show that we did. So it, it, it was... Uh, Tradition born. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. And yeah, yeah so. I think we're all in this like still suffering from this... Uh, covid time warp and uh yeah little moments like this you kind of snap out of it and you're like holy smokes man we're eight episodes from 100 we're in year three i know on the chalkboards first season you thought i was the the master over here and then last season you whooped me on the chalkboard prediction so we kind of got the rubber match going on here (laughs) not that it's uh too competitive but this you know we'll we'll get into it all i think the bold predictions is where we got to start because that's 10 predictions from each one of us. And I guess first, give, give me a little background on the article, Steve. It's always exciting when you put something out there. Uh, did you use like an AI chat bot to write the whole thing or was this like an original article? No, no, this was, this was an original article. It was nice. This is the second year doing the bold prediction article. So I had like a template for how I wanted to do it. Um, it was, you know, not e- not necessarily easier to write or anything like that, but uh, it, it was cool that i had a format already down and knew how to approach it and, and how to attack it um, for sure and, and then just kind of like did my research it was a lot of prep like a like a, like for a show like if we have a list of names that we want to talk about like yep. 
here's a list of guys that I like, and and this these are the reasons why I like them, and, and kind of got went went on it from there, um, which which was fun. It's it's a lot of fun writing that article. Um, you always gotta and, give it the stress test, right? Where you're like, is this bold enough? Do I need to go bold? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I I was about to say like a big thing that I try to hit on in the in the in the intro, and and I did it last year's you know, defining what a bold prediction is. Like, I remember last year, like, I posted it to Reddit, and, like, it's like, oh, you know, the comments are like, none of this is coming true. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, well, yeah, that's the point. That's how you know it's a good bold prediction article if it's most likely not going to come true. Yeah. Um, Judge is going to hit 40 homers. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I saw, you know, I I don't know what what site it was on, not to like trash anyone, but there was like uh, Mike Trout will win AL MVP. Bold prediction. It's like, well, uh, you know, how many MVPs does Mike Trout have? And like, all he needs to do is stay on the field for like twenty more games than usual, and he's he's a, a lock to be a, a finalist, right? Like right. You're not Nick going always out says, no or Nick Pollock, um, you know, the head of pitcher list, obviously, um, he. Sent out a message. I don't know if he did it last year or this year. Uh, or he did it last year. I don't know if he did it again this year. But um, he says that a good bold prediction article would be getting two out of ten right. So twenty percent. So oh man, he's taxing. I, th- I used to think it was yeah. one out of ten. I was like, oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. So so still, still, you know, um, it's it, it's not likely. It needs to be unlikely, but there needs to be good reason behind it. And you know, just because a bold prediction doesn't come exactly true like there could be a lot to gain from it right like you know i i proudly mentioned shane mcclanahan in a bold prediction article last year same with dylan cease neither of the bold predictions are right but if you bumped them up your draft board a little bit because of that like in spirit it was right like it's kind of balancing the line like you want to be bold enough to have a prediction that might not necessarily come true unless like the 99th percentile outcome comes true on the guy. But also if the 80th percentile outcome comes true, it still should be pretty good. And that's kind of how uh, I approached it. And yeah, there is I think the proper way to do bold predictions. That, yeah. That's a good segue though, because I think there is a little bit of a difference because, you know, stay tuned. We're going to talk about, you know, more or less like 30 players on this show and we like them all. For the most part, minus a couple of fades in there. But bold predictions are a little bit different, Steve, in that it's kind of the boom-bust element. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have any shares or that we think they're too risky or anything. But I don't know about you. Some of my bold predictions, when I thought about do I do I put them on the chalkboard, it's almost like you have to account for floor in a way for the chalkboard. Yeah, the, where you don't for bold Whereas for bold yeah. predictions, it's almost you're leaning into the guys who could really go off. Is that fair? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think that it's a, it's cool that we combine this for the same show. It's, it's like, you know, you want to be able to balance something that you think is a great value and yep. also simultaneously has a high floor or something that you want to avoid with more strictly going for an upside and a, and a crazy outcome prediction for a, for a bold prediction. Yeah. Well said. It, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of the head in the heart. And we're going to start with the heart, with the ones that we just, you know, you kind of feel in your gut, and we're going to do these bold predictions. Now, the the caveat for our listeners is we have 10 each. Uh, Steve's article published. Mine is almost completely written, but 
we've got 10 each, so we've got to do something we don't often do on Wins Above Fantasy, which is the lightning round here. You know, we pride ourselves in, in digging deep, but Steve, I think I'm going to set the timer. And for these, we're going we're gonna to basically have the one-minute pitch and see how it goes, you know? I mean, maybe uh, this will be successful. Maybe we'll completely <laughs> fail uh, our own test. But uh, how do you feel about the, the shot clock? Are you down to just kind of jump in and, and start getting into them? Yeah, yeah, I'm down to do it. Let's let's do it. I love it. It's a it's a great idea. Very innovative. Maybe uh, you know it, when we when we hit it big and we have like you know a full soundboard with sound effects, we could we could uh, implement those type of things. Or you know if this uh, becomes like our full time job or something like that. Yeah, you know I could drop something in, but I, I would really want to do like the the Fox playoff baseball music and all that. Oh like yeah, copyright oh, yeah. trouble something. <laughs> Uh, well, Steve, you will be first once you get a sip of water over there, and I'll put you on the spot. But I've got my timer ready. Uh, you know, feel free to let it rip on bold prediction number one. All right, so bold prediction number one for me: Shohei Otani wins AL MVP and Cy Young. Um, which I don't know if that happened since in, in the year Verlander got his, his his MVP. I think maybe it did, but yeah, it's rare. Um, but I think what's going to happen is that Otani is going to p- combine his 2021 hitting season, where he won MVP for that and was a really good pitcher in despite of that, uh, along with that, and then last year with at what he did on the mound um, with the new sinker that he has, and, you know, hitting 100. You saw him strike out. Mike Trout at the World Baseball Classic last night Good as we Lord. record this on, on Tuesday. Uh, I, I think it's all going to come together. I think he made plate improvements that weren't seen in the overall slugging line or home run total. He made more contact, struck out less. Um, and then just as he constantly improves as a pitcher, as you see it every year, um, he'll do enough to win a Cy Young despite not pitching close to 200 innings. Um, less and less people pitch 200 innings anyway, so 160 innings of Otani will be good enough to win the Cy Young. Uh, along with his MVP award. Okay, that was 108, Steve. I was going to play you okay. off the stage like Oscar style, but that was pretty good, man. That was like you, you work in radio or something. Okay, yeah. so bold prediction number one for me, Vinny Pasquantino will be a top 10 hitter in OBP leagues. Uh, yeah, coming out bold here. He's projected 52nd on the Razball OBP player raider. And I think he's ready to surge, folks. Uh, last year, had uh, the 11th lowest strikeout rate in all of the majors, that right next to an identical walk rate. So walks as much as he strikes out. And he hit 295 last year, and that's when he had a slump to start the season. So I think Vinny P, uh, the plate discipline is not a question. The question from projections is more on the power, Mm -hmm. where most systems only have him projected at like 23 homers. However, if you look in the minors, his ISO was always miles ahead of that last year his iso in the majors was 155 in the minors prior to that 284 250 274 i think vinnie p is a 30 home run hitter i think his obp is going to be around 390 batting cleanup all year he's going to have great counting stats i think vinnie pascotino is a top 10 obp league player and that's 107 as well steve so i also had to get played off the stage uh, but we're having fun here. Let's let's jump back to you for your second bold prediction. Uh, yeah, yeah. Real quick, don't start the timer okay, too, all right, we're too quickly. But we're uh, you know, uh, 
I think that we talked about it last episode. I think that people are sleeping on Vinny P's power. Like, all that was talked about was how this guy was homering every day in AAA and AA last year before he got called up. So, yeah. Um, great call there. All right. Speaking of power, my next bold prediction Aaron Judge hits more homers in 2023 than he did in 2022. Uh, so, he hit 62 last year. He's going to hit more in 2023. Um, what led me to that bold prediction was just uh, you know browsing his Statcast page, just looking at that expected parks home run total, and he was expected more home runs than twenty out of the thirty ballparks. So, um, not that that you can prorate that in any stadium because you don't play in every single uh, you know uh, park, uh, all your games in every single park, but um, you know it's still impressive that he has that kind of raw power. Additionally, the player page on uh pitcher list he basically lives in his own atmosphere for the power uh grade his rolling chart is like you know there's 90th percentile then you go up 10 levels in the elevator then that's where aaron judge lived all year so uh yeah he's gonna hit more home runs in 2023 all right you're ahead of time there steve that is uh, a very impressive uh you're setting the bar for me so i gotta come back and but by the way i think you know i wouldn't be shocked if judge did that so i think that's a good it would, it's bold for sure, but that is possible, which is crazy to say. All right, so my second yeah, maybe bold maybe prediction. I'm not maybe I'm, you're saying I'm not bold enough there. I guess maybe no yeah, no, no, no 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 no. Yeah. I think it's 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 in that nice ten twenty percent. I would say closer to ten or five percent because that's historical. But it is yeah. judge. Yeah. It is judge. Okay, so my second bold prediction: Nico Horner finishes as a top three second baseman. Uh, now, right now, he's not even eligible at the position, guys, but uh, he will be shortly, and he's set to bat leadoff for the Cubs, which is notable because he did that very little last season, and he's got an improved lineup behind him there. I think that's really going to help his counting stats. Uh, if, you're, if you're wondering, he's the, he would be the ninth second baseman off the board right now, so this would have to put him third around names like Simeon, Altuve, who's out for a little bit, Jazz Chisholm. Ozzy Albies, Tommy Edmond, but I love Nico Horner. Strikes out just 11% of the time, just like Pasquantino. Last year, he had a 281 with just a 300 BABIP, which is reasonable. His X average is all in line with that. But what I like most is that the speed should erupt this year. Batting leadoff, he stole 20 bags last year, but just 135 games. I think this guy's got a shot at 30 steals. The pop at 10, 12 homers batting close to 290 with 30 steals. I think this guy could be a top three second baseman next year for the Cubs. Okay, I ran over there, Steve. I know that's that's a little that's bit right. of a bold one, but I, I, I like Horner, man. I got a lot of shares for being a card with fan. With everything that's happened to the second base position with Altuve going down, um, I'm really glad that we've kind of identified Horner as a target because he's come cheaper in NFBC, I think, because he doesn't have that 2B tag just yet. Mm-hmm. Um he doesn't in Yahoo yet either, but I mean, in Yahoo, you'll get it in like, you know, over the weekend, five games essentially. But um, I, I think it's I think it's a, a great call and a great second base target, especially considering how brutal the position is now without Altuve. Yeah, number it's seventeen like, on PLV's yeah. contact leaderboard. Number seventeen is Nico Horner. There you go. So he's got the hit go. tool. All right, you're up, Steve. Yeah, take All right, away. so not not a specific um, player, but maybe more for like a macro fantasy level analysis. Uh, over five guys will have 40 steals, I think, for the first time since 2013, I believe it is. Wow. Um, 
I think steals are going to be up like crazy. I think we're kind of at a point where we're deciding, oh, who is going to steal more? Is that the guy who are, guys already steal 30 bases, guy who steals five are going to be eight? I think it's going to be a lot more just across the board. Um, in spring training, guys have been taking off at a crazy rate. I think it's up 23%. They're having more success. Um, not only are the bigger bases going to play a role, but the pickoff rule, you can only throw over twice. So I think that'll help guys like Trey Turner, um, guys that they throw over a bunch on. Uh, and then the bigger bases will just help guys, you know, get that extra, you know, split second, which I think is a big factor for a lot of teams. They they map this out and have it all planned out when you can go, when you can't go. It's, it's some, such a strategy. Guys are going to go a lot more now. Uh, we're seeing in spring training it's going to carry over the regular season. I think stolen bases will be up across the board everywhere. Now, I love it. And let's We could take a pause there. So, you know, you mentioned – uh, you know, Turner, but overall, like, do you have the five in mind or is, no, it, is it blank? I, yeah. do, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, you know, guys that come to mind are like Turner, Acuna, Acuna. J-Rod, uh, and then the other guys like, you Asturi know, Ruiz Jorge Mateo, yeah, Jorge Mateo, the guys that are just steel guys. Like maybe if they could steal 40, 50 bases, they now like that player now becomes more useful where, you know, last year, like a mile straw just isn't that useful because despite him stealing, you know, he can't hit it anywhere. But if that 20 becomes 35, 40, then that player, you know, now has like, you know, the speed demon role now becomes, you know, the Scott Podsednik role becomes more relevant, right? right. If stealing is that is, is up more across the board um, and you're able to, to be more successful because of it. So, um there could be some playing time increases for the speed only guys, which I think might also be a factor. Yeah, I dig it. All right, I'm jumping in. My next one is that Max Muncy finishes top three in home runs in the National League. Uh, right now, projections have him finishing 15th in the NL behind a bunch of sluggers. You got the Dodgers, you got the Padres, you got the Phillies. But yeah, they, they've got him projected at 28. I think we're forgetting that just. A year before last, Muncie had 36 bombs, and last year he dealt with injury. He also came back, and he started to click in in the second half of the season. OPS was back up around 800. He had a red-hot August. His hard hit rate went up, but in the offseason, he was not satisfied. He moved away from a little swing change that he had. He went to driveline, added 7 miles per hour on his bat speed. I think Muncie is ready, and the Dodgers need him. I absolutely see a possibility where Muncie hits 37 bombs, hitting cleanup almost every day, maybe spelling out J.D. Martinez at DH, and trails only Pete Alonzo and Kyle Schwarber in the NL for home runs. Uh, right at a minute. Steve, we haven't talked about Muncie a whole lot. He's kind of that second, third base option, but uh, what do you think? You think Muncie could have a little bounce here? Yeah, I just took him in a draft that I'm doing as we speak, so yes. Um, there was kind of a a moment last year where, like, you were looking at any of his rolling charts, like, it's, oh, Max Muncy's, like, healthy again, right? Like, there was a clear... Injured elbow. Uh, yeah. yeah, point where his elbow got better. Um, like, you saw all of his metrics just become a lot better and healthier, and a full healthy offseason does wonders, right? So even though he did get healthy late in the season, um, it, you know, the fact that you have a normal offseason of, of not, like, recovering um and trying to get healthy and just working to get better i think players mention that a lot um i think that's huge so uh 
yeah, I, I'm all in, and I think Muncie will be a great value uh, this year. Okay, now Steve, you're up next, but I got a question here. I don't know if there's a there's a typo on the the boldness on this one. I'm kind of wondering if the if the OF was supposed to be in here or not because you got Newt Bar, but I feel like this one didn't strike me as bold enough. At least as it's oh, did did I put four top forty? Uh, yeah, I got to edit that. I meant uh, either top twenty outfielder or top forty player. Forty uh, overall. Okay, now yeah, we're talking. Yeah, now we're yeah, talking. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll make Let's sure about, make sure I edit guy. that. Yeah, yeah, our guy. I mean, the, the man that needs no introduction on this podcast. It's Lars Newbar. Uh, the marriage of plate skills and power. Um, the driveline videos of him setting personal records for swing speed. Um, it's all there. I mean, you know, everybody loves him. He's, you know, Shoyo Otani's BFF in the, 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 the dugout in Japan. Uh, it's just awesome. Uh, and I hope that, you know, for everyone's sake, it's just, you know, if it continues into the season, it'll just be a great, great, uh, story. Um, I think Lars Newport has all the tools and is just waiting to break out. Um, and should easily be a top 40 outfielder as I wrote. Uh, but I think he'd be a top 40 player. Uh, chipping some steals, walk, hit for good average with with solid power. I think so. I mean, I think what needs to happen is the Cardinals can't screw around with his playing time, and I do think he with his with yeah. his on base skills. I, I'm hoping he actually slots up and and swaps with Tommy Edmond, who doesn't walk nearly as much. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, this is a bold prediction where it's probably going to be on everyone's bold prediction, but you know. There is some downside that I think you're saying that that we might not want to accept as like industry people are in love with him. The the playing time might not be there. It's know? a good example yeah, though so, of of yeah. where it makes more sense as a bold prediction than a chalkboard pick yes, where you're absolutely. Like promise, promising yes. this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, um it's a it's a newfound tradition for me to somehow fade Garrett Cole on my, my bold prediction. So my next one is that Kevin Gossman outpitches Garrett Cole. Uh, it's kind of a two-parter because on one hand, I'm a big believer in Gossman. On the other hand, I'm kind of out on Garrett Cole. Uh, so pretty much since Spingate in 2021, there's some really interesting spin rate charts for Cole where he's just never gotten to that same RPM. And the homer rates, the ERA has kind of followed. Uh, but last year, I mean, definitely Cole had the strikeouts, but he was 41st in the league in home runs per nine, and that led to him being 30th in the league on ERA. So I think we're a little too quick to just completely ordain Cole as SP11. And, you know, when I'm looking at Gosman, on the other hand, you've got the volume with like 190 innings. You might be trading off some strikeouts. Cole's going to probably have 30, 40 more strikeouts than him. But Gosman had a 281 ERA last year, and that's with terrible luck we talked about it with nick pollock on the plv episode gossman's hit luck was 34 so where his actual whip was 1.24 if you removed his hits that should not have been hits according to plv it drops his whip all the way down to 1.04 you put that in the mixer with the fact that the blue jays are going to help his win total he's obviously got one of the best pitches in the league with the splitter a 27 percent swinging strike rate Last year, he just had a 3.9% walk rate. I think Gossman absolutely is an ace. And when I look at him next to Cole, I, I think that there's a reasonable argument for him, but there's about 50 picks between them. So 
Maybe some people would say it's not bold enough, but I think just from ADP alone, I'm planting, I'm throwing it out there that Gosman out outpitches Cole this year. I like it. I like it. I think it's bold enough. Uh, I, I think we've talked about how Gosman was a bit unlucky. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm I'm in there. Uh, I, I think that Gosman is an SP one like a lock as an SP one. And I don't think he's being treated as such, uh, in the, in, in, in draft. So, yeah. uh, perfect guy to like wait on for a start for SP one in my mind. Yeah. Same. Uh, he, he's a big target. Uh, so Steve round us out with your fifth here for part one of the bold predictions. Hunter green wins the NL Cy young. Oh, that's um, bold. That is know, bold. Too. It's, yeah. That, that one's bold enough. Not like the, uh, the new part one where or a typo there, you know. Um, Green, we saw what he did in the second half. It all came together. Like, it just screams, like, this is another Spencer Strider. Like, an amazing fastball, amazing slider. Um, he figured something out in the second half and basically was unhittable. It was only 39, 31 innings, I believe, in the second half. Uh, but nine starts. Um, one home run is the thing that like was like wow like a guy that you know I remember watching that start versus the Brewers where he gave up five home runs. Um, I think he also had like eight strikeouts there to just tell you how good he was. But yeah, um, yeah, I just think that he has the stuff to do it and is kind of discounted because of how bad that first half was and the fact that he only has two pitches. Um, but it doesn't really matter when your two pitches are two of the best pitches in the league. So, uh, yeah, I'm all in on Hunter Green for 2023. Yeah, it's a good one. I think, uh, you know, another thing, we talked about the PLV episode. If you guys didn't listen to that with Nick Pollock, Hunter Green is a PLV darling where he was like top mm-hmm. five or something uh, across the board in those metrics. Um, yeah, just the 30% K rate. If he can get the, you know, kind of get the location in check a little bit, that slider's got a 38% whiff rate, and the dude just regularly sits like 99 miles per hour. So hard to argue, Steve. I think, uh, you know what, we've had McClanahan, we've had Strider, we've had uh, uh, Dylan Cease was one of your ones last year, and it does feel like Hunter Green is kind of in that perfect pocket where like, yes, you have to pay up, but it could be the last year he's, he's this cheap in drafts. So uh, I like it. I think uh, it's, it's going to be interesting, man. I can't wait for the actual season to start for some of those questions to get answered. Cause we only saw it for like five or six starts where he was truly himself. If, if that's who he is. So my uh, final one for, for part one here is that Taylor Ward finishes a top 10 outfielder. Maybe I got to scoot this one up a little bit because he's being drafted at the 29th outfielder in, in draft room. So I don't know if it's bold enough, but I, I don't have to <laughs> I'll, convince... I'll give you. I'll give you the seal of approval. It's bold enough. Okay, so top 10 outfielder. Uh, last season, we all kind of knew initially he broke out, but the end of, end of season line, 281, 23 homers, 5 steals, 138 runs plus RBIs. And the underlying numbers backed it up. Uh, the 12% barrel rate, which has climbed every year, 87th percentile in the league. There, uh, he's just got a nice balance of like plate discipline with a with kind of solid pop. And I think really the story of last year is that he had the hamstring injury at the beginning of June. And if you kind of split the season into thirds, the first third and the last third, he pretty much averaged out at a 310 batting average. He was 
pacing for 30 home runs and 100 RBIs, 100 runs. It was just that June and July that was pretty dreadful and kept his overall season just good and not amazing. So I think, you know, when you when you picture the fact that he's got some speed and you got the bigger bases, some of the pickoff rules, I think we could see, a, you know, 300 season from Taylor Ward, 25 homers, maybe 8 to 10 steals, and now he's batting leadoff uh, with the Angels. So I think uh, this is an opportunity where Ward could, you know, really rack up runs and RBIs and eclipse the top 10 in the outfield. So unfortunately, his ADP has been rapidly climbing, Steve. I think at the start of the offseason, we were talking about him in like the 150s, 160s. Mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. it's about 100 flat. So yeah, it's tough. I didn't want to go there with the, with the uh, chalkboard because all of a sudden you got to pay for that tax. Uh-huh. But I do still think the bold prediction is that he, he could really go off with the Angels. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like what the Angels did. I know they're like the Rockies in a sense where we kind of make fun of them. You know, they have Trout. They have Otani. It's like, you know, the, yeah. me, the meme going around last night was like, imagine if these two were on the same team. It's right. like, uh, right. yeah. You know, um, it, but I, I do like their moves. Um, yeah, Renfro. They actually, Renfro, um, Brandon Jury, like they have actual major leaguers at, at those sort of positions. I think they also got. Um, uh, Urshela, who's pretty good, you know, like yeah, they Logan have Logan like, O'Hoppy at catcher. Yeah, yeah, nice exactly, exactly. Um, so on paper, I, I, I like what they did, um, and really, really could think that you know, um, it could be a big year for for Ward because it kind of it's another narrative thing that makes sense, like with Muncie, right? Like, there's a clear, okay, this went wrong. He got health. He was good before that. He got healthy again. He was really good again. Like you, yeah. you could talk your way out of uh, uh, that slump in the season, relatively realistically. You know? Yeah, and unfortunately now you kind of got to pay the price, but that's outfield yep. tax as well. So mm-hmm. those are the first five for each of us guys. We got another five each. We'll keep the lightning round going, but we're going to take our first ad break. We'll be right back. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? 
You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Okay, so Steve, back into the furnace here. Uh, talk about another angel that uh, could really help them, maybe maybe more so than the offense. Yeah, maybe I have to do a bold prediction of like the Angels winning the AL West or something like that. Okay. Uh, might, might be a little crazy, but... Yeah, that'd be bold. Um, too bold. Yeah, bonus. Yeah, yeah, bonus bold prediction that probably won't come true. Uh, Reed Detmers, sub-3 ERA and 200 Ks. Um, this all comes from the re- reworking of his slider. Um, after he came back, he was a totally different pitcher. Uh, you know, when he had that no hitter, like there was like five walks on it. He still like just clearly didn't have it. And Nick would talk about in his roundups how he was just missing that strikeout pitch. And when he did rework his slider after being sent down after that no hitter, so a guy that threw a no hitter got sent down. Like, you know, that how, how could that happen? But it did last year, right? That's crazy. Um, but. He was a totally different pitcher since he reworked that slider. He throws four other pitchers consistently. The fastball is not great, but if there's any other improvement like that slider, like he did with the slider, um, you know, uh, th- there, there's room for, for upside of an SP1-2 here. That's how good his stuff is. Like, his strikeout numbers in the minors were just ridiculous. I think, like, in his first year in, in high A, he ran, like, a 40% strikeout rate. Just video game numbers. So... The stuff is there. Um, he has that great, like, little rainbow curve, too. Um, and obviously, you know, you like when you a pitcher can do something like that and improve a specific pitch because it shows that they're willing to work on it, improve, and get better, and who knows what else could happen if he improves another pitch. So I like Reed Detmers a lot as a, a late target for, for high upside um, uh, as, as a pitcher. Yeah, I, I, I love this one too, Steve. I think, uh, strangely, his no-hitter might have actually done bad things for his reputation of just getting like two strikeouts. So, I, you know, people kind of miss the whole, you know, at least people who switched off miss the fact that he, you know, completely found that slider. And yeah, the, some of the, the off-season reports, everything looks promising and exciting for Detmers. And man, would that be needed for the Angels staff and just their overall push. So I love that one. It is extremely bold, which I commend. And I think one of the other things is like right now, Detmer's ADP only 207. Like this is still a bargain. You don't have to pay up too much for Detmer. So really good one there. Uh, I am sticking with a pitcher as well. It is that Christian Javier will finish a top five starting pitcher. Right now he's about the 20th starting pitcher off the board. I know that we both love him, Steve, but Last year, just as a reminder, the 148 innings, 194 strikeouts. Uh, but I don't want to like slide over the 148 because that's decent volume to where yeah. I think he's got a better shot at higher innings than like a Spencer Strider. And yet he, Strider's he going three He wasn't a starter. Before. He wasn't a starter for the first like month of the season. That's right. Yeah. But, I mean, like, Javier up- was a waiver wire ad because like he was a bullpen guy for you know the first month right and and like you can see the the 240 or 254 era but a 0.95 whip and the fact that that whip came with a nine percent walk rate it makes you wonder if he could improve the command 
you know, we could be looking at video game numbers for Javier. Mm -hmm. We all saw in the game logs last year, like there were multiple outings where he had, you know, 13 strikeouts, 14 strikeouts. So I think Javier is simply elite when you look at some of the whiff rates. Um, Obviously, the slider is elite. Uh, the fastball is also excellent. Um, I, I just think with the Astros kind of leaning on him more this year, I think it's very possible he throws 180 innings, and we're looking at Javier as an SP5 next year. Yeah, uh, I, I'm for it. You know, I, I had a ton of shares of Javier last year. He was you know, the ace in a bunch of my leagues, so uh, don't have to do much uh, convincing for me there. Yeah, and I, I guess I should caveat that the sp5 not not an sp5 your your rotation is yes, pretty yes, good if he's your yes. sp5 so oh yeah gotta, gotta yeah, throw absolutely. that disclaimer yes. out there sp5 overall. overall overall okay oh and should we not to interrupt here but i yeah. think we're using the uh, at least my caveats in my article was the rasball player raider for yep. for for rankings so Yes, that's a good good indicator. I used Nick's list as a as a as a scoring system last year, and that, you know that just doesn't work because at the end of the year you're changing things for matchups, things like that, and you know uh, don't want to just you know I, I you know not yeah, you that Nick's list isn't useful. Yeah, yeah, we need like we need the computer to spit this out for us. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. All right, Steve, you're back up for your next one. Uh, another one that you'll I can't believe I have two Cardinals. I, I guess I'm you know. Uh, trying to just please you with my... Uh, it's almost like we talk uh, every week, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But Brendan Donovan is a top 50 fantasy player. Um, we talked about it a bunch last week. Uh, the new swing change, the added power, uh, holding the contact skills. He was a gold glove winner last year, so there's plenty of reason for him to stay in the lineup just with that alone. Um, the position versatility, he can play all over the field. Um, and, you know, it just looks like he put in the work of this offseason to gain more power like he was like you know i need to do more i need to do more damage and he went to driveline or i think it was a, a different uh facility down in new orleans um but similar to driveline um uh, can't think of the name right now but you know shout out them yeah uh, and it, it looks like it's worked so far in spring training and he's got some more power and you know he doesn't need to be a 20 homer hitter but if he's a 15 to 18 homer hitter with with that contact skills and who knows, you know, maybe he runs a little more with the, the bigger bases. Uh, he could be like a five category contributor. Like my peak comparison is like, you know, like a, uh, you know, like a, like a DJ LeMahieu, like mix between the Yankee power breakout and like the course field, like, you know, 15 homers, 15 steals, 290. Uh, That's a good count. And good yeah. counting kits, good counting stats. Yeah. And he kind of plays everywhere. Like I, I think it would it would be very on brand for the Cardinals to spell out a handful of guys like four out of five games, but Donovan just always is either outfield or second or, or third or wherever. Um, one other note on Donovan is the report came out today that he will see some time at the leadoff spot. So that's kind of bad news for Tommy Edmond, maybe even Lars Newtbar, but mm-hmm. it sounds like they're going to kind of mix and match on that rotation. So. Love Donovan there. I think uh, we'll talk about him in a minute as well. My next one, after two years of fading Randy Arozarena, I had <laughs> to just give in and, and show the man some love. He's an ex-Cardinal, ex-Peoria Chief, in fact. And this one is that he's going 20-40 this year, folks. And he, he's hit 20 homers the past two seasons, uh, and that's with missing some time. 
So then you might ask, like, what's up with the speed? And Steve, you've already talked about the bases and, you know, the pickoff rule, how you might see five guys going for 40 steals. One thing I've been looking at as kind of a sneaky metric is caught stealing because it shows mm. that willingness to run. And in 2021, a Rosarena went 20 for 30 on the base pass. So he was caught 10 times. Last year, he stole 32 bases. He was caught 12 times. So last year, he attempted 44. You know, another thing about a Rosarena, softer analysis, but this guy just loves the spotlight. Like, Mm -hmm. he's the guy who will stretch, you know, a bloop single into a triple just because he's going to go for it. He's stealing home base. I totally could see him wanting to just grab headlines this year and go Ricky Henderson mode, running like crazy. So I know you got to pay up for ADP. It's way too pricey for me to have shares, but I am going to back him and say <laughs> I think he could go 20-40 this year. Yeah, and he's like the type of guy that you know has those numbers in mind, right? Like he's he is he's keeping going score. for yeah. exactly yeah. Like if he's at nineteen thirty eight, like he wants the other homer, he wants uh, you know the the two more steals for those numbers. Like he's he's conscious of that. Like I remember like Acuna when he was going for that forty forty season, um, like. He was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying for it." So, yeah, uh, y- you know, it's it's good for fantasy when you hear those sort of things. So, I like it a lot. Uh, and you know, been slow to come around on the Rosarena as well, but uh, I, I think he kind of is what he is at this point. You know, maybe there's a harder fall off for him because of the the plate skills, but I don't think there's any reason why it will be this year. Yeah, very cool. We well, don't have time for it, but you guys should check out, too, the story if you watched him with Mexico and the World Baseball Classic. Very cool story about how he got his citizenship there and convincing the president after he had he had fled to Mexico and was basically a refugee, um, but convinced the president to, to make him a citizen to play, which is super cool. But Amazing. I did not see that. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. So, Steve, you're, you're back up for your uh, eighth bold prediction. So uh, this one's pretty bold, I think, because uh, the guy doesn't have a closer job right now. But that's Evan Phillips leads the National League in saves. Um, I think he is by far the most talented uh, reliever in the uh, Dodgers bullpen. The Dodgers have always had a reliever uh, in, in you know, a, a fixed role for closers. Um, I know that was Kenley Jansen for a lot of time, but they gave uh, Craig Kimball uh who was not good last year, a really long leash there. Um, I think Dave Roberts likes to have a role and it's kind of uh, beating around that point. I know that there's a lot of other good guys in there. Um, Drew, uh, um, Bruce Targratterall, um, yeah. Daniel Hudson uh, is also there. He's closed before. Bruce Targratterall hasn't closed, but has really good stuff. But I think maybe Gratterall might be more of a fireman role because he's like this elite ground ball guy and might have to come in and try and get a double play where Phillips is like your prototypical strikeout closer type of guy. Um, so uh, I, I he has the stuff to do it if he's given the role. Like, yep. If, if Evan Phillips was named the Dodgers closer in like January, he would be drafted in the NFBC in like the fourth round. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's that's how good his stuff is. Yeah. I know it, man. I'm uh, I'm cheering for it. I've got shares because you convinced me, but I'm I'm nervous just because they haven't named them. I got burned. Yes. I got yeah. burned last year thinking it was going to be. Uh, yeah, it's you need to have another saves plan for yes. because just because he hasn't been named the closer. Yeah, great flyer though, and, and in best ball, like you said, he might 
you know, still be a valuable play just with how good he is and will probably stumble into wins and even if he doesn't get some saves. So, yeah, love Evan Phillips. My next one is kind of a summary. Probably don't need to even spend the full minute, but it is that <laughs> Lars Newtbar and Brendan Donovan will combine for 50 home runs. Couldn't get out of the bold predictions without hitting on a couple Cardinals, so I thought there I'd kind of lump them together here. But, yes, love that, that Newtbar continues to add to that bat speed. Uh, last year, the barrel rate jumped from 4 to 12%. He had, he had a really good month in terms of pop, uh, 14th in the majors and hard hit per swing. He's he's just got elite power. His his exit velocity on fly balls, line drives is ahead of names like Goldschmidt, Harper, Acuna. So he he has pop. Um, and then Brendan Donovan, it's just kind of the Cinderella story of him adding muscle. He's got the the bat with the puck at the bottom. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what this will look like. Maybe it's 26, 24 to get there. Maybe Newt Bar just goes off and it's like a 30, 20 thing. It's definitely bold, and even I would be surprised, but. I think, uh, you know, sometimes you got to roll the dice with the Cardinal Devil Magic. So it's kind of a, a combo package there. But I, I know you like them too, both of those guys too, Steve. So Yeah, I can't disagree. They're both in my bold prediction. So, yes, this one's definitely coming true. Okay, um, floor's yours. Here's another deep one. Ryan Noda goes 2020. Um, I think we talked about him after we did our Dynasty recap. We took him late in the uh, first-year player draft. Um, Noda is a Rule 5 pick from the Dodgers, uh, selected by the A's. Um, and if you don't know the Rule 5 rules, you either need to have the guy on your 23-man roster or return them to uh, the team that you selected them from in the winter. So in theory, right, if you target Rule 5 guys, they should get playing time. Uh, there's been some, you know, Akil Badu, I believe, is one. Yep. Um, there's been a few other interesting Rule 5 guys that have kind of broken out because, like, hey, like, these guys need to play. Um, and when they're on bad teams like the A's, like, Ryan Noda should get a shot. Uh, last year in the minors, I believe it was his age 25 season or 24. So he's he's an over he's an overager, but he started the, the minors pretty late, like at 21 or 22. Uh, but I believe he went 30-20 last year. So uh, the power is there. The speed is there. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a deep, deep play. And obviously, uh, uh, you know, a lot needs to happen for this to be true. Um, but that being said, I think Noda kind of does have the skills to be a, a 2020 guy, uh, and could be a nice bold prediction play. No, I like it, man. I, uh, did not have that name on my radar. And now I believe I just grabbed him in uh Raz slam a, a couple weeks back. So there you go. Uh, I, I'm in. Uh, my next one is, is a deep one as well with Oscar Colas winning the AL MVP. Uh, Colas, we've talked about for the White Sox. He once was kind of that uh, dual position, kind of the mini Otani with batter pitcher. Now he's fully focused as a batter. It looks like he is winning that role in the outfield for the White Sox. And yeah, there's a lot to be excited about here. Not only for the 24-year-old, which is kind of a, you know, he's no spring hen for never seeing a major league game. But last year in Double A, in 50 games, had 14 home runs. Uh, you know, pretty much putting together an OPS that was well into the 900s. Colas, uh, in terms of how he grades out, he's a 60 grade raw power. The hit tool is where they knock him, and he always had kind of a high strikeout rate. His his projected strikeout rate is 27 percent, pretty much across the board. But his spring training caught our attention, where. He's had 53 at-bats, which leads the White Sox, by the way. 
hitting 283 in terms of the batting average, and he's striking out just 13% of the time. So I love to see that that projected strikeout rate has been cut in half so far. Obviously, you can't put too much stock in that, but even if he's like a 19, 20% strikeout guy, uh, he's got three homers in these 20, 22 games. So, you know, you kind of play the extrapolation game, and it's like, you know, three homers in that time means he's on pace for like a 21, 22 homer season type of thing. Um, but the, the hit tool, he's always ran a high average in the minors, always hitting above 300. So I would not be surprised if Oscar Colas was a big payout on AL Rookie of the Year. Yeah, uh, I like it. I mean, it looks like he is going to be given at least a chance to run with this role. I mean, everything went wrong for the White Sox last year. I think we talked about this a bunch recently, but it looks like it should be in line for them to have a big season. And, you know, you need a player like Colas to sort of take off if that's the case, and he very well could. Yeah, right now he's he's slated to hit eighth in that lineup. Uh, they've kind of got him marked as, as platooning, but that's all going to be production-based, so I, I think we'll just have to see yeah. what happens there. If, if he, like he could, you know, he won't be platooned if he shows that he's like one of the better hitters on that lineup, right? Like think about the outfielders the White Sox ran out last year. I know Eli was hurt for a bunch, but there yeah. were some, you know, bad, bad names. So they need, uh, you know, something like that to hit for uh, for them there. So I would not be surprised if he took that job and run with it, ran with it. Yeah. Okay, Steve, on to you for our final bold prediction here. Final bold prediction. Jesse Winker returns the form, hits 280 with 30 bombs. This is like, you know, peak 2021 Jesse Winker. Um, you know, there was so much like, and rightful hype, I think leading into him last year, you know, had a full-time playing job despite leaving, uh, Cincinnati, um, and just sort of everything went wrong. He was hurt. He talked about how he didn't really fit into that locker room because it was a bunch of guys that came up together, um, which, you know, that's more soft analysis, but Hey, that that's, that's meaningful. Um, so I, I just think that you know, a fresh start back into a hitter's environment. Like the Brewers have done kind of okay with these sort of guys. You know, Renfro had a good year. Um, Yelich, they obviously developed and had an MVP year. I, I don't expect Telez, that. Telez. Telez, yeah. There, there's some guys, there's some talented hitters that they they do really well for, for reclamation prior, uh, projects uh, sort of. And I just think that it's like kind of the perfect scenario for uh, – for for Winker and talk about a lineup that like needs a bat like they're not going to platoon him even you know if he's this good hitter this because their lineup you know constantly needs hitters like we talked about how you know they have all this pitching and just not the hitting to go with it like if he's just holds his own against lefties like he's going to be in the lineup every day um, they just need you know, warm bodies essentially uh, the Brewers do um, so I like Winker a lot. Uh, for for this for next year, yeah. Right now, the the outfield for the Brewers is Yelich, Garrett Mitchell, and Brian Anderson, and they've got Winker at DH, which I love to see because he's also been known to have a really hard time staying on the field. So mm-hmm. hopefully, yeah, he can maximize some abs uh, playing the DH role there, and then you know still kind of get some outfield appearances just because. But yeah, I like it, Steve. I think when we 
talked about him recently and uh he was in, he was an auto pick in in one of my drafts but it was <laughs> not far off from where basically there's a a pit um for for like an OF5 or 6 so I think it's a really good shout I mean it was just a year ago when we were all hyping up Winker and 2 years ago he looked like Babe Ruth so um I like I like Winker he's still only 29 years old which is crazy mm-hmm. to think about for how long he's been around so I like that one a lot uh, complete opposite end of the spectrum for my final one is that Kyle Tucker finishes first overall in fantasy. Nice. It seems like for years we've just been looking at Tucker and kind of waiting for him to put it all together. And I think it's a good sign that even when, you know, managers have, you know, will, will say like, oh, it's frustrating to own Tucker and you're kind of waiting for him to come around and he still finishes like a top 15 guy. Mm-hmm. I think we're just waiting for that season where it all comes together and I think it's going to click. The The average was 257 last year. Uh, the homers and speed at 30-25 was very nice. Had 71 runs, 107 RBIs but he was hitting six or in the bottom third of the order. Now he's slated at the moment with the Altuve injury to hit second. And I think that's finally going to like let him into the top part of that order and he will not leave, which should be great for those runs and RBIs to be closer to like 200 plus. And then you look at the average, which 257, his Babbitt last year was 261 and it's been over 300 the three seasons before that. Uh, you know, I think that his true, his true talent strikes me as like a 270, 75 guy. And the homers are there, the speed with the bases. Uh, his willingness to run, he got caught stealing four times last year. I think this is a 30-30 guy. He's in the better part of the order, and he's been a guy who suffered drastically from the shift. His WOBA last year, when there was a shift, was 336, and when there was not a shift, was 463. So I think uh, there there could be even, you know, I don't know if you could call it a breakout, but I think Tucker could emerge as the top guy in fantasy this year. Number two in the league in the PLV strike zone judgment. I just think he's the total package, and this could be the year that he finally does it. So that's my last one there, Steve, for Tucker. Do you have any? Do you have any shares, Steve? Um, I don't. I haven't really picked like his range. Uh, I love Kyle Tucker though, and I think it's a great point with the shift. Like that's the only sort of thing that was holding him back. And like he's even had you know stretches where you know remember I think it was twenty twenty one where. He had, you know, I think he was hitting like 220 going to the man and finished with like a 290 average. That's right, so like we he, saw it. We he saw hit it. like 330 for, you know, three-fourths of the season. Like he's he's done it before. Um, so uh, I, I really like it with, with Kyle Tucker. I think, it's, I think it's a great call. Yeah, and Tucker, where is his ADP right now? We'll find out. I think out. it's like seven around there, seven or eight. Yeah, yep, ADP's at seven, so... I don't know if it's all that bold, but I think people would still be kind of surprised if he was one Absolutely. One. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's catch our breath, Steve. Uh, that was a lightning round. We did pretty good. I think we, we did good. Yeah. 20 picks uh, and a couple breaks in there. And uh, now we can talk about our chalkboard picks. Some of these might have some overlap, but we got to take our second ad break and we'll be right back. All right. So, Steve. The chalkboard, uh, you know, for, for the viewers, for the listeners, just give them a brief synopsis of kind of why we came to this and, and kind of how it all works. Yeah, so we wanted to 
basically be a cannibal. We wanted to pick guys that we liked or disliked more or less than the market um, and sort of stick with them all year and, and, and come back and, and, and recap and, and say, hey, these are the guys that we're putting up on a chalkboard. It's going to be up there all year. We're going to come back and look at it and sort of be accountable. You know, not that you know it's like a widespread issue, but, you know, you recommend all these guys and then you kind of forget about them, whether they do good or not. You know, I'm sure you hear about them if they do good. Uh, but if not, um, you know, you, you kind of look it. back yeah. and, yeah, you own it. Um, and I think we've sort of learned from it and learned how to be better at it. And I think we were a lot better at it last year. Um, you are still. And, 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 well, at least in the process, though, too, right? Like, yeah. you know, um, process over results. So um, I think it was a, a fun activity. Now I cannot believe, like we said at the top of the show, it's year three of the chalkboard. Crazy, crazy stuff. Year three. So basically how this works is we each have two targets. We each have two fades. And the rule is that they have to finish 20% higher or lower than their ADP mm-hmm. based on the Razzball player rater. So, uh, Steve, with that said, let's uh, kick us off with target number one for you this year. Target number one for me. Um, who do I have here first? Um, that is Matt Olson. Um, so I, I, we've talked about it. It's not, not a surprise uh, how much both of us, I believe, um, like Matt Olson. Um, and I just think he is getting docked far too much for what he did, uh, last season, which wasn't even that bad a year. I know the batting average was low, maybe not as much power as, as, uh, as many people hope for, but, you know, he's tearing the cover off the ball this spring. We've talked about how it sometimes takes a year to adjust to a new environment. Like that park is great. The lineup is great. Matt Olson should have a monster 2023. And I think, you know, he will be drafted again like he was heading into 2022 uh, ahead of that, after that trade from Oakland to um, Atlanta. You know, he hit 39 homers, right, in, in Oakland, right? He he could easily hit 40 in, in Atlanta. Absolutely. I think he'll be like, you know, that mid-20s or pick again, um, sort of up there with the top, you know, this, the back end of the top tier first baseman in 2024. So uh, I like Olsen to ride up uh, draft boards. I love it, man. I, I just I wish my home league draft was sooner than it is because he's already <laughs> moving up draft boards. Yeah, and, he you know, is. It felt he like is, it was 50 is. a month ago, then it's 40, then it's you know, now it's 39. So he'll have to finish 32nd or lower, but I'm with you. I think he really can. And to me, the name of the game will just be that the batting average where it was uh, 240 last year, but the the X average was much higher on pitcher list. Had him at a 267. He was he's another guy who got shifted on a lot. So, yeah, I love that one. Uh, mine is is an easy one. It's Kevin Gossman, whose ADP is at 65. So I would need him to finish uh, in the top 52 for me to make good on this prediction. But I think for all the reasons I laid out earlier on the bold prediction that it is going to happen. Um, you know, just he was very unlucky last year. I think the strikeout rates with the volume of innings pitched is a great combination. And the fact that, you know, as good as he was last year, he was super unlucky. So, uh, you know, once all that stuff kind of gets corrected, I really like Gossman. I don't know that he's still going to be like a 2-5 two, two, ERA guy, but I don't think he needs to be. Uh, the environment environment might look different all around, but I think Gossman is good enough to where he will be an SP1 and he should crack the top 50. So I'm planting the flag, and I really hope I get Gossman 
in more leagues. I have him in one so far, but a couple more drafts. So we'll see. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, Steve. Now we got to switch over to to the hater aid and uh, look at the fades. So first fade for you. This one's on brand. I'll say that much. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's been known. Uh, Bobby Witt. Um, I, I just do not like the cost this year. Um, it is just way way too high for a guy that has a a sub um, eight hundred OPS, and I, I don't know if it's going to be much higher than that. I could be proven wrong. Like he could easily have a thirty forty season and be like a top five pick next year. Um, that is well within the, the range of uh, accountability. Maybe this should have been a bold prediction, but hey, he only needs to finish uh, lower than the thirteenth uh, player to, to to justify that. Just shows how high Bobby Witt is going. So. Um, fade one, Bobby Witt. I just think that the price is being, you know, extrap, you know, just so high because of the the twenty homers and thirty steals as a rookie. I think that I think he's going to repeat last year, which is still really good, but it's not the eleventh overall pick. Okay, yeah. So that that's still because what he was twenty thirty and hit like two fifty. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, around okay. around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was going to ask. I think you're totally right. He could be a top five guy next year. On the other hand, there's not that much. Like he only needs to slide back a little bit for this to to be a check for you. So my question is, if you were to throw like a number on where you think Wit would finish in terms of like five by five ranks, like where do you think he will finish? Thirty. Okay, so yeah, even farther back. Yeah, yeah I think where, that, where, that, where did he finish? Right. Where did where did you finish last year? Do we know where you finished last? We'd year? have to look that up, but yeah, that, okay. I would imagine it's somewhere around there um, because the average, you know, it's mainly the steals that you were getting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, can look that up. Not going to do it right now, but yeah. Uh, so my first fade is actually Ozzy Albies, and right now his ADP is at fifty-one. So this would have to have him moving to sixty-one. But I think Albies, you know, it's just been there, – there are a couple things working against him. Obviously, he had a couple injuries last season that just kind of nagged, and it was one of those situations where it was like you got to throw out last season altogether because he hit 247. He only had eight home runs. Yes, it was in 64 games. But now in the meantime, Michael Harris II has erupted. They brought in Austin Riley. All of a sudden, Albies sees – or finds himself at sixth in the batting order. He's not cemented in kind of that top three. So I'm just kind of looking at Albies, and honestly, the hit tool, you know, it's the year before last, it was 259. So I just wondering if his true talent is like a 260 hitter. And I know he had like, you know, some, some homer surges here and there, but with a full year off last year, I'm wondering if there's some second base tax on this ADP. Uh, I could just see Albies basically being like a 2020 guy that hits uh, like a 265 average, and I don't think that's enough to justify like a top 50 pick. Um, so that's that's my thought on Albies. I think some of it's circumstance. I don't, you know, I don't hate Albies. I have him in a dynasty league, and I'm not in a hurry to to sell him, but because he's just 26. That said, I think uh, you're really paying for prime Albies when. To me, there's a little bit of a question mark that he has to get out there and kind of show that he's back. So that's my first fade. What are your What are your thoughts on Albies? I, I think Albies was my first fade 
last year, right? Um, oh yeah, because so, he was going like pick thirty or something, or or uh, or was it two years ago? And I was wrong on him. Uh, I I, I kind of forget, but I, I, I forgot um, about that too. I thought it was last year though. Yeah, I uh, could be wrong, but um, either way, uh, I, I think that you know uh, it, the the logic is correct, and it's kind of another guy that gets bumped up for his speed, doesn't have the greatest you know contact skills and, and plate discipline has that platoon splits there's always been that threat of like you know albies should only hit from one side so um i understand it and and and, and i'm with you there uh I, I think that you know maybe the the second base inflation too is is tough there on him and and i think that's only going to shoot up i think that you're probably going to get uh you know if we did the show in a week uh his adp would be higher just because of the news to altuve, altuve, yeah. altuve so um yeah, uh, I think that it, the logic is sound there. Yeah, I guess it's worth pointing out that he might run more if he's hitting six in the order. And he did. He only stole three bases last season in the 64 games, but he got caught stealing five times. So maybe there's <laughs> yeah. a propensity to run. But He's not like an know. elite sprint speed guy, too, either. I don't think so. I think it's good, but not like absolutely elite like burner speed, too. Yeah, yeah. Last uh, last. I mean, a couple of years ago, yeah, 80th percentile. Last year, 54th percentile. So, yeah, it's just a lot of, uh, you know, good at a lot of things. And to me, I don't know that that all adds up to like a top 50 player. So that's that's my fade. But let's uh, jump back to target number two for you, Steve. Target number two for me, uh, also on my bull predictions, uh, that's Hunter Green. Um, he is currently ADP 113, so we need to rise to 90. Uh, if he wins the NL Cy Young, he's going to be a lot better than 90, right? I think that, <laughs> you know, he is the quintessential pitcher around pick 100 that just has everything. It's just kind of there because that's where he's being drafted and doesn't have the biggest track record. Um I think Hunter Green is going to shoot up draft boards for all the reasons why I wrote about, talked about, uh, love him. Yeah, it's funny. I was listening to our show last year, Steve, just to kind of remember how we structured. And you you got to Dylan Cease. And I think it was like he had to go from 88 to 72 yeah. or something. Yep. And we had the conversation that he's not going to finish 72. He's either going to be yeah, like yeah. top 30 or he's going to, you know, blow up and the, the this the is command. what green is. Yes. And this yes. is green. I mean, you look at it and it's just like he's either as rocky as he was for the first 4 months of the season or he's as elite as he was for the last month of the season. Maybe there's a little bit of a middle ground, but I think even if it is a mix, then it's probably going to be a mix like Dylan Cease was a, mm-hmm, a couple of years mm-hmm. ago where he would mm-hmm. eclipse this. So I think, uh, you know, he's got that Robbie Ray, whatever it is, where it's just like, even if he has take some lumps, he, he's going to be so good when he's on that. I agree. Does yeah, like strike the, me like as, the, like the elite cherry bomb. Yeah. Like yes, exactly. Cease, which, yeah, which yeah. does make me seem or make me feel like his best format is probably Roto or best ball. In a weekly league, I could see him being a little bit oh, frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, that's if, true. You know, true. he just breaks could ruin a, a matchup. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, overall, love love the pick, and I am in. It's it is wild, man. That his ADP in our earliest drafts was like one eleven, and it has just kind of stayed there the whole off season. People have like loved him, but he's kind of just stayed in that range, which is kind of crazy. 
Um, my second target is Nico Horner, who we already talked about. Um, I just love the circumstance. I think the runs, which are always the most overlooked stat in 5 by 5 I think the runs are going to surge this year. I think he's got a true hit tool that's up there, like a 285 uh, on a true talent level, and could steal 25, 30 bags. He's not a zero in homers, and I think he's going to rack up a ton of runs. So Nico Horner, whose ADP is 139, would have to jump all the way up to 111, but I'm willing to place a bet there that I think uh, Horner is just going to fill up the stat sheet this year with the Cubs. So that's my second target. And Steve, we've already hit on him, but we'll we'll go ahead and move to fade two for you, a guy who we haven't talked about as much, but it's I think you mentioned a few shows back that you were not buying in here. Yeah, Jake Jake McCarthy, he is uh, you know my mild straw of this year. He might not be as bad of a hitter, but um, he seems like he you know is being drafted solely for that speed. Where you know I don't think this is going to be needed with with how much I think stolen bases are going to go up, right? Like I don't think there's going to be this tax on like the steal only guys. Like they're going to be more prevalent. Um, at least that's my theory. Um, with McCarthy, you know a lot more goes into it. His batted ball skills are just not great. He doesn't hit the ball that hard. Um, and the Arizona outfield is crowded and could get crowded really quickly. Like he could play himself out of, uh, out of playing time. I know they got rid of Varsho and traded into the Blue Jays, but they have Alec Thomas. They have, you know, Corbin Carroll, like those guys aren't going to sit like, you know, I think they're going to want to see what they have in Alec Thomas. He was a top prospect heading into last year. So, um, you know, if, if he does not perform like, they're they're not just going to let him go out there, you know. They're, they're going to want to see what they have, especially as they try to get into a rebuild and see what other prospects they have there. I know they had like Gavin Stone last year who was pretty good, but they traded him, so they're going to want to churn and burn these guys to find someone that they want. And if if you know if Jake McCarthy's bat isn't doing it, like they should easily be able to replace him, which I think could happen. Kind of what happened to Straw in Cleveland last year. Yeah, it's. You know, you look at what he did in 2021 in the majors, 24 games, super small sample size, but he only hit 220. And then last year he hit 283, but that was with the 349 Babbitt. His XBA was actually 249. Um, the fact that he is slated to hit third makes me feel like they'll give him a little bit of, of run to, to like see what they got here in a 25-year-old. But all that to be said... Yeah, I, I don't know that um, anyone going that high, it, it feels like it's the steals, tax, and the average, and the pop, and everything around it could be just kind of, you know, mediocre, which would take him out of that range. So you got you have to get him from 111 overall to outside of the, the oh, I'm sorry, 114 to 137 for this to be true. And I, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good one. Um I don't have any shares. I'm just, uh, I guess, seeing what the Diamondbacks are going to do this year. They have him batting third. Who's around him? I mean, you got Corbin Carroll, uh, Christian Walker. Christian name, Walker. We haven't talked about yeah, as much. Yeah, yeah. We, I think we should like him more than, uh, than, he, than, than, you know, the fact that we haven't mentioned him off, all offseason where he was kind of like our, our we boy We liked last him year. going into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I know, um, he's kind of sneaky. But, and, yeah, you know, we've been, we've been focusing on getting first baseman early. That's kind of been a big theme of ours. So, um, for sure. No, but I, I, I think it's a good it's a good fade pick. It, it makes sense for sure. Um, and then mine to round out, uh, it's another positional one, but it's Adley Rushman. Uh, Adley's ADP right now is 63. 
So this would have to have him moving back to 76. You know, it's the hard hit rates weren't great. Um, I know that he's flashed some promise with with the pop in the minors, but a 254 average, you know, last year, 113 games, only 13 homers. Just wondering if people are so excited about the the real life player mm-hmm. here in Adley that we're getting away from the fact that like you know you put in a full season here and what are we talking about is it like 22 homers he bats 260 to me that's kind of a good outcome and he should have good runs and RBIs hitting in the heart of that order but he's still a catcher the pro- he's probably going to get rested you know on the 5th or 6th game so I don't know. I just don't see the investment here. Like it's easier for me to look at like a Will Smith um, in the past. Even I was in on Grandal last year. Mm -hmm. I just don't think Adley has that like 25 plus homer power. And maybe I'm wrong on that. But yeah, the the hit, you know, he's not like a Alejandro Kirk where he's going to bat 290, 300. So all in a package. And then you tell me it's like a fifth round pick at ADP 63. And I'm out. So that, that's my second fade. I have no shares. Uh, I don't know, Steve. You actually might. Have you grabbed him in one of your leagues? Um, I don't know if I did. I did last year uh, quite a bit as like a catcher one sort of upside play. And it was, you know, all right. But definitely a much better real-life player than fantasy player. Um, and I think an underrated thing, too, is Camden's not the best place to hit. Um, yeah, good point. I know he's a switch hitter, but uh, not going to, you know, get any cheap home runs uh over to uh to right field or to left field there so um yeah i i i see it i i think he'll be fine uh probably finish around that that value um you know which probably be a catch top five catcher where he's being drafted but might not be like the the league winner amazing catcher that that you're kind of hoping for so i i see it yeah, it's a good point. He's not going to end up at like a 130 rank or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't know any Orioles single did, stat. Orioles did good, really well last year. Um, are they going to do as well next year? You know, the progress isn't always linear. Um, I don't know if they massively improved, right? Um, so it could be a, a tough year there. I, I could see that uh, sort of being a little bit of a reality check down there in Baltimore. Yep. Okay, man, that was uh, a handful of names to get through, Steve, but we We did did it. it. We did it, man. And, uh, you know, next show is opening day, which is huge. Do you uh, have anything planned? You're going to have the triple monitors out? Oh, yeah, the triple monitors out. You know, this is probably going to be my last opening day in this apartment, but, you know, I'll have to set up a a triple monitor in, like, a a basement or office, wherever I get it when we do uh, get a bigger place. Can't be in this one-bedroom apartment with a... 10 month old now uh yeah so, i'll never forget uh, lauren dropping that in the the wedding vows oh yeah and it's like oh, even yeah. when steve has his three monitors going watching yeah. baseball yeah. shout out to winds above fantasy and all your buddies turn and point <laughs> it's absolutely yeah legendary it's, it's yeah it's 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 amazing it's amazing uh you know shout out to lauren there too for, for letting me do that um but yeah I, I cannot believe it right it's it's finally here we're a week away our last show where there won't be baseball on for another six months, right? It's, it's an incredible feeling. Yeah, we're going to have uh, a lot of answers, at least, you know, small sample size answers, but position battles, you know, hot starts, all that stuff, which if uh, you guys are, are wondering what we got next week, we are going to do kind of a primer for opening weekend, looking at uh, players that basically 
we've got a close eye on to where if they kind of go off in that first weekend, we might be quick to pounce on the waiver wire. So be sure to tune in next Thursday and every Thursday throughout the regular season. Baseball is back, folks. So we could not be more excited to talk with you every week and more grateful for you guys tuning in. But that is episode 92 for Wins Above Fantasy. Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks for listening, guys.